0: Wow, makes you want to stand up and say go man go (laughs) or go cat go or whatever it was they said back then that's from uh, John Barry's first score to a little movie, a little because it didn't have a lot of stars in it or cost a lot of money it's called Beat Girl and it was made in 1960 and it's really a window on uh, uh, the public perception of teenagers teenagers gone bad in 1960, when everything that wasn't status quo or white (laughs) or Christian was bad. Now, if you're totally unfamiliar with John Berry, a great composer, in fact, he was knighted, so he was Sir John Berry. Here's something you're probably more familiar with, I'm sure. was the original james bond movie theme from uh, dr no made two years after beat girl uh, it was made in 62 which was followed in 63 by from russia with love and that was followed in 64 by goldfinger and the james bond phenomenon was created and lasted god they're still making james bond movies i think yeah they are Though, like many, I'm still uh, of the opinion that the, the best, <laughs> not the only ones worth watching, but the the good ones were with uh, Sean Connery, who died just a, a while back, a year ago or something. And what made the period unique musically was the use and the rise of the guitar as the main instrument. And this, is, of course, started in the, in the 50s, and, but in the 60s and 70s and beyond, and Now they're, I guess, they've been replaced by, you know, synthesized everything and mixing and all sorts of what I consider falling into the definition of music. Well, could we get into arguments here, huh? Music's a pretty broad category. But anyway, the point is that the the guitar became king. And you hear it uh, in John Berry's music. And you hear it in in other jazz, too, including Henry Menosini. Here's the big opening of Beat Girl again, and here's the Bond theme. hope you can see a connection there the um the use of the heavy guitar by itself accompanied and followed by heavy brass this was used pretty much in all the bond films um later when he got out of the james bond kick he used you know gorgeous string sections and so forth but for james bond and the sequence of from big girl to james bond to me it's pretty obvious he used what he had and what he was good at and what he was what he was hired for actually that that Kind of a guitar blast of horns sound. Okay, a little bio background of John Barry. He had an interesting uh, career. He always loved music, and this is, of course, from the Wikipedia. Uh, he's born in New York, in New York, in Old New York, New York, England. Uh, spent his early years working in cinemas owned by his father. Uh, during his national service with the British Army in Cyprus. He began performing as a musician after learning to play the trumpet. Upon completing his national service, he formed a band in 1957, the John Barry Seven. Uh, this, by the way, is the group, if if you ever see Beat Girl, which is a you know a decent little movie, it shows him a, with his group, the John Barry Seven, playing uh, for a dance. And he's in there someplace. I'm not sure which one he is. I guess he's on trumpet. Uh, he later developed an interest in composing and arranging, making his debut for television in 1958. He came to the notice of the makers of the first James Bond film, Dr. No, who were dissatisfied with the theme the theme uh, given them by Monty Norman. Noel Rogers, the head of the music at United Artists, approached Barry, and started an association which lasted for 25 years. And it's interesting to me uh, why Monty Norman's work wasn't used in James Bond. Here's the uh, music that Monty Norman wrote for uh, a musical uh, called Espresso Bongo from 1958 and was turned into a movie. Big band version of what is considered uh, what you might call populist hip uh, from the '50s. It was like a, a dying breed, thank God. And uh, you can see why this was uh, this style, Monty Norman's style, was was uh, rejected by the uh, producers of uh, the James Bond stuff. If you listen not too closely, you can hear the hip version of shake, rattle, and roll, make it swing, man. It reminds me of Pat Boone doing a, this inept, horrible, his version of Tootie Fruity O'roody snapping his fingers. It was awful. It was nothing to do with the music, which was, even if he didn't like it. It's like trying to trying to turn apples into oranges. You, you can't make rock into jazz because they're two totally different styles. Anyway, end of diatribe. So this, this mu- music didn't make it. So what did John Berry do that Monty Norman didn't do, besides grow up with a lot of talent? He recognized the importance of the guitar. And to avoid being accused of any of my shows being monolithic, here's another example of a guitar in jazz. This is from uh, Henry Mancini. Very, very popular program in the uh, late 50s, early 60s was Peter Gunn. Henry Mancini was, they were actually referred to in some areas as the Mancini years. He wrote some great music, uh, some as great as John Berry, I think. This is the Peter Gunn theme from uh, 19 59. What do these uh, two composers, at least with the selections I played, have in common? The strong guitar, which they both recognized as inherent in the music of the time, and a really great brass section, right? Now, without going further, I'm going to warn you that I'm going to try to make this an hour show. So if you get tired of hearing the music or me yammering, uh, I warned you because I want to play a lot of music and a lot of commentary, read read at least, intersperse the show with some commentary, more commentary about John Barry uh, relative to the uh, scores he made. You'll recognize almost all the music that I'm going to play as themes from very famous movies. And first, here's a little more James Bond stuff. This is uh, from Russia With Love and Goldfinger and a couple others. Uh, Note that before I play these, Soundtracks, original soundtracks, at least on Amazon for James Bond movies, the whole soundtrack, are almost non-existent unless you get a vinyl or an old CD. And as far as digital goes, uh, I'm getting what I could. And oddly, the best, uh, the most faithful reproductions of the, uh, the music, at least the themes, are from the city of Prague, Czechoslovakia, I assume, Philharmonic Orchestra. There's a bunch of stuff from the London Philharmonic and other groups, which are, like, they're altered to sound neat. And I was after some faithful reproductions of of, uh, themes, actual themes from the movies. So this is what you get. Uh, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Her Majesty's Secret Service, which the theme all the time in the world comes from. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, and the blast of horns uh, opening to... uh, Goldfinger. before Shirley Bassey starts to wail away at the uh, theme song and, uh, you know, says Goldfinger, you know, the whole bit. I, I, can't, I can't handle it. So I would include more, which is, I don't know, maybe a dozen movies of John Barry's scores for James Bond movies, but almost every theme on digital music at Amazon includes the vocal version and not the instrumental stuff. And I don't don't care to hear... Or play, or have on this program some popular singer's version of what he or she thinks it should sound like or will sell. Thus, the very few selections coming up. Here's a list of uh, John Barry soundtracks for James Bond films, starting with Dr. No in 1962. I won't give years for most of them, but from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, you Only Live Twice, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Diamonds Are Forever, The Man with the Golden Gun, and we're up to 1979 with Moonraker, Octopussy, A View to Kill, and Living Daylights in 1987. Now, these were not... He just didn't, like, stick with his James, on his James Bond kick. He did a whole bunch of movies within this time period, which had nothing to do with James Bond. Just going through his uh, uh, f- filmography for movies he wrote the scores for, these are ones that you might have heard of, or you definitely have heard of, or they're fairly, fairly well known. Because of the astounding number of uh, films that you probably have heard of, I'm going to read a list of the ones that I'm fairly familiar with, and uh, so bear with me. Starting back in 1960, uh, Beat Girl, then The L-Shaped Room, Zulu, The Man in the Middle, Seance on a Wet Afternoon, The Ipcris File, The Knack and How to Get It, King Rat, Born Free, The Quiller Memorandum, Petulia, The Lion in Winter, The Appointment, Midnight Cowboy. That's from 69. Walkabout. They Might Be Giants. Mary, Queen of Scots. The Tamarind Seed. Born Free, the TV series, and of course the movie. Love Among the Ruins. The Day of the Locust. Great the movie. Robin and Marion. The 76 version of uh, King Kong, which really sucked. White Buffalo, The Deep, The Betsy. Star Crash. Super cheap movie. The Corn is Green, Hanover Street, The Black Hole, which is where it should have stayed. Raise the Titanic, Somewhere in Time, Body Heat, my all-time favorite, favorite, favorite score. Great, great movie. You have seen it. Watch it five times in a row. Uh, Francis, The Golden Seal, The Cotton Club, A View to Kill. That was a, Bond, a James Bond movie, wasn't it? Jagged Edge, Out of Africa, another great score. Howard the Duck which is a failure by uh, Spielberg, but yeah, and he knows it. Peggy Sue got married with uh, Kathleen Turner and the Golden Child. And for some reason, that list off of Wikipedia, Don't Blame Me, did not include uh, Chaplin and Dances with Wolves. And here are his Academy Awards. Born Free, The Lion in Winter, Mary Queen of the Scots, Out of Africa, Dances with Wolves, Chaplin, British uh, Awards, for uh, Lion in Winter, Out of Africa Dances with Wolves Golden Globes, a bunch of them um, Grammys for the, the theme for Midnight Cowboy Jazz Instrumental Performance for the Cotton Club Instrumental Composition Out of Africa And Best Instrumental for Dances with Wolves On top of that, yeah, Body Heat should have won everything <laughs> Okay, anyway, that, enough boring you with lists here Body Heat is my favorite John Berry score. Uh, an interesting interesting note about this is, several years ago, I really wanted to get the score for it on a CD. Well, the only available version was a London recording, which was, compared to the original, to me, pretty inferior. It turns out that only uh, about 200 or 400 copies of the original score were made, were pressed, and uh, they were like, uh, I think like $200 a piece. So I settled for uh, the London Symphony Orchestra version, which is good, but nothing like the original. And here's some stuff from Wikipedia. Lawrence Kasdan, the director, wanted this film to have the intricate structure of a dream, the density of a good novel, and the texture of recognizable people in extraordinary uh, circumstances. George Lucas acted as executive producer following uh, successful collaborations with uh, Kasdan as a scriptwriter on Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. Most of the film was shot in uh, east-central Palm Beach County, Florida, by the way. And in 1980, Lawrence Kasdan met with four composers, Whose works he had admired, but only John Berry presented ideas which were close to the director's own. Ten demos were recorded on March 31st, and Berry wrote the whole score during April and early May of 1981. The composer provided several themes and relay motifs. The most memorable was the main theme, of the, which is what we just heard. And John Berry worked closely with recording sessions engineer Dan, Dan Whalen to mix the soundtrack album. For several reasons, J. S. Lasher, who produced the limited edition LP and CD, remixed multi-tracks himself without Barry's or Whalen's participation. Versions of that were released on 45 and LP, and a CD album in 1989. In 1998, the Racy Sarah Band re-released a re-recording of Joe McNeil- Joel McNeely, and the London Symphony Orchestra. The CD contains several new tracks, but still was not complete. And that's the one I, I mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned it, that was good, but not really great. And uh, But that's all you had until August 2012, when Film Score Monthly released a definitive two-disc edition. The complete score with alternate unused and source cues on disc one. On the original Barry-authorized album and theme demos on disc two. And it's really a great collection of music. Here's a little more from Wikipedia about the reception of the movie. The film received generally rave reviews, except for my favorite critic, Pauline Kill, for some reason (laughs) dismissed the film, citing its insinuating, hotted-up dialogue that it would be fun to hoot at if only the hushed, sleepwalking manner of the film didn't make you cringe or yawn robert uh, roger ebert responded to that review when he added the film to his great movies list i can't believe pauline kell didn't like this movie she's a a strange bird (laughs) i I love i love her and she writes writes really well but man she missed she missed the boat on this one so what's that you want to hear more from body heat okay I could easily play the rest of this, and you'd love every second of it. But it, speaking of seconds, it would go way over an hour. Actually, the music itself would go over an hour, and the show would be like an hour and a half long. So, but here's a little more to satisfy your craving. Well, my wallowing and John Barry brings us up to the 33-minute mark. Those are played out of sequence, and you, if you listen to the soundtrack with the cuts in sequence per the movie, uh, they make a little more sense and it's more enjoyable. But that's all we got time for. So, at this point, I'm not sure whether I can fit in everything I want to want to fit in, and probably you want to hear, it within one hour, which is my absolute Max. And so there might be a John Barry 2 show. I'm not sure. Let's see how it, how it turns out. I think with some more commentary uh, that will be necessary. And the commentary is... is per, I'm getting it from uh, mostly from Wikipedia. But the background of some of the scores is very interesting. Especially when we get to the marvelous, fantastic masterpiece, Out of Africa. But in the meantime... Midnight Cowboy came out of 1969 and it was directed by John Schlesinger who did another film that uh, I really love but didn't get much attention called Far from the Madding Crowd it's based on a novel of the same name and it stars Dustin Hoffman and John Voight it won three Academy Awards for Best Picture Best Director and Best Adapted Screenplay and uh, curiously <laughs> these days curiously it's the only X-rated film ever to win Best Picture and has been placed 36th on the American Film Institute's 100 Greatest American Films of All Time. I can't find anything specific uh, about John Barry's score for it, but uh, I will make a comment about something curious in the theme itself. The use of the harmonica, which I think gives it kind of a, kind of a, a folksy touch which plays against the strings of the, uh, I don't know, call it the sadness of the, this kind of cowboy hick in the big city, as well as the pathetic figure of Razzo Rizzo, uh, the Dustin Hoffman character. The harmonica was played by a, a jazz musician named Toots Tielemans. That's spelled T-H-I-E-L-E-M-A-N-S. Interestingly, now he played with Benny Goodman and a whole bunch of people back in the day. And uh, it's interesting that uh, Django Reinhardt was also Belgian, which a uh, guy we covered in the last show. Tielemans uh, shows up in, in different places, including uh, the theme for Sesame Street. And you listen to it and say, well, there's a harmonica, right? Yeah, okay, well, so what? <laughs> but this guy was a, a really a, a genius. He, he, he legitimized harmonica as a, an instrument in an orchestra. Here's some of the harmonica again from Midnight Cowboy. It's the first time I've listened to that really closely, and you know, it 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 can almost be a violin. He's incredible with uh, what he has to work with this little you know gadget about what six inches long. It was a stroke of genius on uh, John Barry's part to use him as part of the score. I checked again to see if uh, John Barry didn't win something for this, and he did win a Grammy Award for the best instrumental score. So that's some praise. Just really beautiful, uh, beautiful theme. Now let's turn to what I call the queen of all John Barry scores. Queen because it starred a, a female actress, Meryl Streep, out of Africa. So let's play the theme and then we'll talk about it. The opening section of that uh, piece is beautiful in itself. Then he comes in with a whole new theme, and it builds up to this fantastic crescendo. It doesn't get any better than this. I mean, it's you know Gone to the Wind and Max Steiner and all those guys, but this is this is really it's, This stands alone as a masterpiece. Another thing that John Barry does, which puts him above most other film composers, is the use of polyphony polyphonies were using two themes, separate themes, that are used together uh, to create a whole piece. Bach, of course, was, you know, the whole Baroque thing was about polyphony. John Barry does it masterfully, and we just heard this uh, used in the previous uh, piece, Midnight Cowboy, with the harmonica playing one theme and the strings playing another. Makes for a fabulous blending of sounds. Here's some information about the score itself. Uh, It was composed and conducted by uh, Barry and it includes a number of outside pieces such as the Mozart Clarinet Concerto and some African traditional songs. It garnered Barry an Oscar for Best Original Score and sets in 15th place in the American Film Institute's list of top 25 American scores. Now, what's going to happen because we're at the 47-minute mark? I'm going to do something a little offbeat. What else is new, right? I'm going to play the... uh, the Mozart piece, part of it, that was in the movie, the Mozart uh, Clarinet Concerto. And the scene, as I remember it from the movie, is a Redford, Robert Redford, who co-stars with Meryl Streep and are having a romantic interlude, are sitting in the jungle, and he's brought his wind-up Victrola and a copy of the recording of this concerto, and it really hits home when you're watching it. It's, it fits right in, in the jungle, Mozart in the jungle, right? And so I'm going to close with that. And before I close, uh, the usual information keep those cards and letters coming, I hope. I'm getting strange uh, downloads from uh, Germany. I don't know. I keep keep <laughs> keep listening out there, wherever you are. And uh, I'm glad you enjoy the show. My email is G Carter 1, numeral 1. That's G C A R T E R 1 mwc at gmail.com. and I'm always happy to hear from somebody. Don't think I don't respect you because you listen to this show. <laughs> I listen to it, you know. I respect me uh, most of the time. So, anyway, here's the uh, the closing piece from uh, a John Barry program, and of course, this will engender due to its uh, due to the ton of material I haven't covered. And a uh, result in a, a John Barry program number two. which will be, uh, let's see, podcast number 2021. 20, so the next show will be about John Barry also. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.